kept expecting this meeting is now being recorded. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the PRSA Southeast District Best Practice Call for Wednesday, November 11th, 2020. This is Brad, the chair of the district. Uh, Andrea, our secretary, is going to take role via attendance here, uh, and we'll keep an eye on that. We appreciate that. Today, we're going to welcome in J.W. Arnold. He is the co-chair of the National Governance Committee and has a lot of commas after his name. But there are six proposals that will be um, discussed and considered at the PRSA Leadership Assembly coming up in December. I know there is a webinar scheduled tomorrow, but for some of you who may not be necessarily delegates, this is an opportunity to learn about those issues um, so that you can um, uh, smartly discuss them with your delegates uh, and understand what is at stake. So I'm going to turn it over to JW now to uh, get us started. Well, great. And thanks for having me, Brad. Uh, you know, government, governance is for geeks sometimes, um, but actually this year it, it, we've got a couple of those sorts of proposals that are really administrative in nature. And then we have a couple of proposals that really are going to speak to, I believe, the future of PRSA in a, in a, in a big sense. And so I'm, I'm really glad to be here today to, to discuss these with you. And, and more importantly, to really to get your feedback and answer any questions that you may have. Uh, as Brad mentioned, we do have a webinar for uh, assembly delegates tomorrow, and uh, we'll be getting into the presentation uh, you know, pretty, pretty in depth in that sense. And uh, our national chair Garland Stansel will be on that call and, and get some background. But I think, I think for, for some of the important proposals, this will be some good, uh, some good introduction for you. So I think we have, so the, of the six proposals, uh, as I mentioned, several of them are basically administrative. Uh, number one is one of those. Uh, some of you may remember we did kind of a, a wholesale package of, of amendments to our bylaws last year. And this is one that just kind of slipped through the cracks. And, and essentially all it does is it, it specifies that the national board chair can serve on a grievance panel, but they're not a member of the grievance committee. Um, you know, there's a lot of just sort of, you know, it's it's stuff in this, but um, essentially it's administrative. Uh, just to clarify that, um, the grievance committee is a standing committee, but the PRSA chair can serve on a panel. So if, if a, a grievance is actually filed through our process against a member, um, you know, that, that would be how a, a national chair potentially could be pulled into that process, although it's, it's not very likely, to be honest. Um, and this will just clean that up. Now we get to number two, and number two is, is one of those ones that, that is, um, you know, may, may elicit some feelings. Um, you know, as of right now, you know, we have a number of ways for our membership to propose changes to our, our governance structure. Uh, the leadership assembly can do so. Uh, any chapter, any district, any section can propose a, a bylaw amendment to our national documents. The national board can do so. And unlike a lot of organizations like PRSA, we have the ability for members to propose a bylaws change. And until, it, at least for right now, it, it's a fairly low bar to submit that change. Uh, you know, it takes uh, it takes 25 signatures on a petition 
um, you know, following the, the various procedures and whatnot for a member to initiate that. And one of the big pieces of feedback we've gotten over the last couple of years is that, uh, and this is from leadership assembly delegates, that uh, you know, perhaps that bar is maybe just a little bit too low. Uh, if, if, we're a, if we're an organization of 20,000 members, you know, to pull 25 members, you know, maybe, maybe that's just a little, the, a little bit too low. Maybe it doesn't necessarily reflect a broader sense across the membership uh, you know, about the feasibility of that proposal. And uh, you know, especially given the fact that there's so many ways to, to advance a proposal, we, we were charged with taking a look at that and we came up with a little bit of a, an alternative. And we, we proposed that that 25 be increased to 100 or 1% of the membership, whichever is lower. And so, so we feel like in the, in the era of social media, in, in this era of our MyPRSA communities, that 100 members is not an, an especially onerous hurdle to achieve to bring something forward but but it does it does sort of present um, uh, you know, a reasonable level to to achieve, achieve too um, so so we're, we're, we're hopeful that that will that will be uh, meeting with success as well when the leadership assembly meets uh, number three okay number three um, basically what this proposal does is it it's an attempt to uh, attempt to engage our leadership assembly delegates a little more fully through the course of the year to involve them in the thought leadership of the society. I mean, when you think about the leadership assembly as our legislative body, and uh, so what this amendment essentially does is it, it calls on the chapters to name their delegates uh, by January 15th of the year and then they'll be certified 60 days before for the for the actual voting. So, you know, let's let's say that it's a smaller chapter and you don't have someone. It doesn't it doesn't necessarily penalize you, but but it does encourage a chapter to name their delegates early. Um, you know, in many in many cases, the delegates are maybe the president and the president elect, or uh, larger chapters have separate assembly delegates. But it's just a just really aimed at avoiding that situation, you know, two months out from the conference of saying, who's going to the conference? Somebody raises their hand, they say, congratulations, you're going to be our leadership assembly delegate. Um, and, and I know that sounds a little bit absurd, but I know it happens because it's happened in my chapter for years and years and years. And uh, so uh, we would ask your support on that just to, uh, just to involve those delegates more through the course of the year and really seek to, uh, you know, not only not only educate them on the on the challenges that the society is facing, but to get their feedback and their input, especially as we're developing um, potential proposals or new policies for the society. Okay, number four. Okay, number four. This is another one of those administrative uh, types of amendments. It just it just basically specifies that if a leadership assembly delegate is not able to attend. Uh, that their proxy has to be assigned to a voting delegate at the leadership assembly. Um, the vast majority of, of delegates at the assembly are voting delegates, but there are, there are a number of non-voting delegates, you know, national committee chairs and um, 
you know, folks, folks that have leadership positions maybe on the national level, but uh, we, we don't foresee that this will cause any, any hardship for chapters in ensuring that their, that their uh, vote is there and their voices are heard when the uh, assembly occurs. And I would just say too, um, you know, please jump in there if you have questions as we go. Don't feel like you have to wait to the very end. Uh, you know, so something kind of kind of rubs you the wrong way or, or I can clarify, don't hesitate. Um, so let's go to number five. Hey, JW, along yeah. those lines, um, what kind of gates uh, have these gone through to get to the point where they go in front of the leadership assembly? And I'm thinking more about specifically about number two, where you, you heard the feedback from, mm -hmm. from the membership. And, and how did it go from just feedback to actually becoming a, a, a voting issue? That's a great question. Uh, and in specifically in the, in the case of number two, um, we had we had that feedback from last year's leadership assembly. It was placed uh, it was referred to the governance committee. Our governance committee has I think eight eight members or nine members from you know across the the country. So you know there's there's a nice diversity of, of region. Uh, many of many of the members of our committee are association and nonprofit specialists, so they bring that experience to it as well. And then we also, as we looked at this, we, we conferred with uh, our official PRSA parliamentarian and PRSA's legal counsel, because those are both professionals who are working with associations just like PRSA, because we wanna know, you know what the best practices are in, in the, the association world. Um, we, we actually consulted our, the attorney, the attorneys actually suggested a much higher number than 100, they were they were pushing for something like 250. You know, out of a member of uh, out of a membership of 20,000, I mean that's still you know one percent. So it's a fairly low fairly low bar even then. So then what happens is we put together the the proposal with the language. We work, we run it through the parliamentarian, through the legal counsel. Then it goes to the national board. So. For each of these amendments that, that we're discussing today, they've all been considered by the national board. The national board has that opportunity to uh, make changes or send it back to us for changes. So, so it has everything has been through several steps of consideration uh, along the way. And uh, that, that's not to say that, the, that there, there could be changes proposed from the floor, amendments from the floor are a possibility. I mean, particularly on that one with the number, it's possible someone may, may amend it to raise the number of the number or, or lower it again. That's a possibility, I believe. So it, um, we, we, we have put a, quite a bit of thought and time into, into each of these. Cool. So let's let's take a look at five because five five is potentially, I think I think there there are a lot of people who feel very strongly about this proposal, on both both sides. But my hope is that you know, I can explain the background, and the rationale, and uh, certainly I'm asking for your your chapters to support this, uh, but we we respect that if they don't. Um, for for our national board, we, there are two at-large delegates, 10 delegates that represent each of the 10 districts, and we have the four officers. And 
currently as the rules stand to, among among the criteria to be considered for those 10 district director slots and the four officer slots candidates must hold the APR accreditation. Now, currently the, the two at large about three or four years ago, we removed that requirement in an effort to open leadership up to more members of the society. And so, so what this amendment does it, for the, the district directors and the officers, it removes that, that APR requirement. They still need to meet the requirements of having served at the chapter, national, section, uh, committee level in some way, and, or have 20 years of progressive experience in PR. But let's just get down to the numbers a little bit. Of, of our 20,000 members, only 18% hold the APR. That's 3,600 members out of, out of about 20,000 20, are eligible to just run for those 10 director slots and four officer slots. And then when you look at sort of the, the, the uh, conversations that have been held in the course of, of the year since roughly May, June, you know, following the George Floyd incident, following the national conversation that we've had about diversity, equity, and inclusion, um, the board came to the governance committee and they said, you know, we, are, we are concerned about, about attracting the most diverse and inclusive candidates for leadership in the society. Now, how, how can we do that? And they, they said, you know, help us, help us find ways. And all we had to do is look at those numbers. If of the 18% that hold an APR, and get this, only 10%, less than 10% of those 18% uh, identify as a person of color, a person of, of racial, ethnic diversity background. So when you get down to it for those 10 slots, there are 360 members of PRSA of color or racial diversity that, that are eligible for those positions. Just 360. So, so our hope is that by, you know, and, and, and this goes beyond, you know, whether, whether you're, I mean, we're all supporters of the APR. I mean, we, the APR is a, is a fantastic credential, but it's also a credential that measures professional accomplishment in public relations. And it doesn't necessarily measure the, the types of leadership skills, uh, interpersonal communication skills, the experiences that make someone a good leader within a, a membership organization like PRSA. So it, it's, it's our belief that by decoupling the APR credential with the opportunity to run for national service, we're, we're potentially opening up a, a huge pool of, of very fine, experienced, uh, visionary leaders that, that have been excluded. And just to give you an example of what, what could happen, the first year when we did this for those at-large seats, we saw a 62.5% increase in the number of candidates in that first year. We went from 16 people competing for one board spot to 26. So we know we know that we know that there is there is a, a desire out there among 
fantastic leaders that don't have that APR to, to be a part of our of, of the society's leadership. And and even though we can't we can't say beyond a doubt that 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 increase wasn't um, you know diverse in the sense of we can't go back and say well of those additional uh, ten people it increased the number of African American or Asian or LGBT candidates we don't have those kinds of numbers but I don't think it's unreasonable to you know just kind of anecdotally extrapolate that that an increase will will improve the the participation of diverse candidates uh, as as we open it up and uh, and I would just say also um, that that there are there are efforts to to promote APR and uh, you know one of the one of the big responses we've heard from a lot of people is well why don't you why don't we just solve this by by marketing the APR more to to communities of color uh, members of color um, yeah we can do that and we should do that but the the goal that the board gave us was to to come up with a solution that could be implemented now. And for any of you that have been around for a while, I mean, we've been talking about the APR, we've been talking about uh, board service, we've been talking about diversity within PRSA and the industry for decades, for decades. And uh, honestly, it's my personal belief, it's the belief of, of the governance committee, I think it's the belief of the board that by enacting this proposal, we can substantively make a change that we will see happen within the year. I, I, I really believe that. I think, I think that this will open opportunities for leadership and, and we'll, we'll see it next year in June when the, when the nominating committee process uh, is underway. So that's, that's essentially the, the the gist. There's a lot. There's a lot of perspectives. A lot of moving parts. Uh, a lot of strong feelings. But but at the end of the day, this proposal is going to is going to not only open up opportunities for the vast majority of our members, but it will promote that diverse and and uh, that that diverse candidate pool and, and promote their, their opportunities to get into leadership. JW, this is Brad, a, a couple mm -hmm. of thoughts. Um, one, if, if you all have not, uh, or don't hang around the communities at the discussion boards on prsa.org, I encourage you to do so. The Board of Ethics uh, and Professional Standards posted a letter in opposition to this amendment and laid out some uh, some positions there. So I, I would encourage you to read that as you think about oh, this. We're, we're very we're well aware of that letter, yeah. Uh, the other thing I think is that the nominating committee, that their onus now gets amplified. And, and I think about it in the context of a, of a diversity and inclusion survey I took from PRSA earlier today that sort of wanted to gauge when we talk about diversity and inclusion, what are the dimensions that you think of? And do you think of these dimensions? And I think as you think about the diversity of the national board, you have dimensions like ethnicity and race, gender, uh, sexual orientation, um, 
years in the business service. And, and now I think an additional dimension of APR and it's the nominating committee that serves as that watchdog because I, I think there's something to be made of, we want the highest level of professional standards on the board. Do we want a board that's all non-APR? Probably not, um, but the nominating committee is the check for that to look at the slate of candidates and go, okay, we've got the best board possible with some balance of non-APR and APR, if that's how it works out. There may be years um, where it, it's you know, heavily in one, one way or the other, uh, but that's just another dimension for the nominating committee to consider as they look at the entire slate of candidates. You're, you're absolutely right. And, and uh, you know, the, the, the considerations are, are, are many, they're many, but you know, we feel like right now we have such a small percentage, 18% of our membership that we also have to balance out with all of those different, uh, different you know, categories or, or areas of diversity. And it, it really, I, I think that it shortchanges the ability of the nomcom to seat the most qualified, effective board sometimes. Um, so, so you're you're absolutely right about that. And and I would just I would just answer to 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 Beps and, and their comments. And I I I completely respect where they're coming from. I I do think I do think that that their letter is a little short sighted because it, it seems to imply that you know that that APR ensures that you know that let me let me think about how to say this because um, because it, it it sort of implies that you know if you don't have APR you're not you don't value the code of ethics I mean I, I, I don't think that's a leap to kind of extrapolate that from that letter and I and I think that that's and we we raised this with them we said you know the other the other thing is APR is not the centerpiece of PRSA the code of ethics is the centerpiece of, of PRSA and you know, I, and I, so I, I just, I just don't think that you can say because someone has an APR, they're more ethical than someone who doesn't. And that's that's essentially the argument that they that they use to to preserve that requirement. Um, yeah, it's it, it it's tough, and I, I honestly also look at this as a generational thing too. Um, you know, I think I think that there's a there's a a, a uh, segment of our membership that are you know longtime members and and really hold that that requirement very dear, but but I think that I think that younger and mid level professionals you know view view APR a little bit differently perhaps I think they view um, they view you know the 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 role that that plays in their membership and in their careers in a different way and. Uh, and at the end of the day, we're just we're just looking to ensure that that our society has the best leaders possible. While we're on uh, uh, issue number five here, anybody else with, with questions or comment they would like to, to contribute? Or dog? I, I have a question, Brad. Hi, Chris. Um, and I guess, you know, have they thought about um, because I'm an APR, and so I can see both sides of this argument, but I know in the Georgia chapter, there is almost a percentage of leadership that is required to have that credential. And I'm just wondering, had that been considered 
as opposed to taking APR off the table altogether. A quota almost of, you, among the national board. Yes, yeah. I mean, because I, I get word, what it, yeah, I, I get what's being, I, I hear you and you know, you don't want to make people feel like because they don't have that credential that they're not adding to the profession in any way. But I think it is important. And, you know, there's something to be said about, you know, how, how you approach leadership and, you know, maybe just making, making that provision might get you what you're, what you're looking for without taking it off, off the table altogether. Just a, just a thought. Well, and I, I apologize. I had to leave the room because a delivery person came and my my assistants all decided that they needed to chime in on that. So sorry about that. Um, you know, I, I I think that there. I think that it, it's getting it's getting past that. I APR doesn't measure leadership. I mean, necessarily. I mean, APR measures your knowledge, skills, and abilities in public relations. I mean, you know, we don't need a board of publicists. You know, I mean, we've got 20,000 publicists. We need people who are, who are leaders, who have that experience. And, and you know, I don't, think, I don't think anybody in leadership in PRSA wants to see or wants people to feel like the APR is being diminished by this because it, it, it's not. I mean, that's not, that's not our intent. And um, so it's... It, it's it's a it's a tough one. I mean, and uh, you know, we in an ideal world, everybody'd say, you know, I've got to go get my APR. But for whatever reason, eighty-two percent of our members don't don't. And you know, at the end of the day, you know, I don't I don't think I don't think we can necessarily say that even of those eighty-two. I mean, many of those are leaders at big agencies. I mean, they're you know, I mean, it's 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 they don't they don't get the APR because they can't or they, they can't pass it, but, but that's, a, that's a whole different issue, I think, in terms of we've got to come to grips with that too. I mean, it's something we've talked about for a long time, but you know, I, I just, I would hate to see, I would hate to see, you know, sort of the, the stuff we need to do to, to strengthen APR, you know, get tied into this thing. I mean, we're talking about 14 board seats here and, um, and I think I think the APR question is a lot bigger. You know, if 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 we decouple these, it's not going to be the death knell for APR. I don't I don't believe that at all because I don't know anybody that got the APR just so they could run for the national board. And you know, and and, and I hate to say it, but that that's kind of the tone that the tone that the BEPS letter takes a little bit too. Is is you know, so I I can say that in in our webinar tomorrow um, and and we've mobilized across the society to try to address that APR question. Um, the College of Fellows is, is, is working on a task force to, to try to better promote APR as a part of its activities. Um, there's, a, there's a big marketing campaign that's just now starting to roll out that's going to push APR as well. And, um, you know, it's, 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 it's my hope. I mean, we, we have the challenge, the big, the big challenge for APR is that anybody can say they're a PR person. 
you don't have to be licensed. You don't have to be degreed. You don't have to, there is no board. There is no, you know, in Florida where I live, you have to get a freaking license to be an interior decorator. But yet a PR, anybody can say they're a PR person, whether they're, you know, whether they're uh, experienced or knowledgeable or have a code of ethics or not. And, and I think that's the challenge we face with, with this is, is, um, you know, we've got we've got to get the industry turned around to appreciate APR more and appreciate you know, that that level of accomplishment that it signals. And uh, anyway, I'm I'm rambling. I'm <laughs> sorry, but I, I feel strongly about the APR too. Believe me, and I I just you know sometimes we 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 knock our heads saying why can't we get this worked out after you know however many umpty million years of of talking about it. Other questions or comments? Thank you for that, Christy. And and I would I would just say for you, Christy. I mean, your your comment. We have we have we have heard that. I mean, that's that's a very that's a very common a common response that we've heard to this uh, from from uh, members across the country at, at all levels too. And and you're right on with that concern. Let's talk about number six. And number six, okay. This is uh this is another you know could be considered administrative um you know every every chapter uh, works a little, little bit differently in how they designate their their delegates to leadership assembly and all this one would do would just specify that an individual could serve three consecutive year terms as a delegate and then roll off for at least a year and then start over again. And the, the thought behind this was just that, you know, for, for something like Leadership Assembly, which is essentially the advisory body for the society, you know, we want to make sure that we have a, a diversity of, and I'm not speaking diversity just in terms of, um, of racial and ethnic terms, but, but a diversity of opinions. And we feel like, we feel like having some built-in uh, built rotation into the Leadership Assembly ensures that that we're getting getting that that fresh take and and sort of current take, um, you know. Honestly, there are a couple of chapters where where you know past president so and so has been the leadership assembly delegate for ten years or twelve years, <laughs> and it, yeah, I know it, it it's hard to believe, but you know some people have kind of carved that out as their as their role, and and that's great. But you know, we just want to make sure that we want to make sure that that there are other perspectives coming into the the conversation and the decision making as well. So that that basically rounds out the six proposals that your chapters will be considering and voting on in December. Questions for JW? Hey JW, it's Kelly Davis. Um, quick Our question. Hello, congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Um, quick question for you. The South Carolina chapter four, as long as I can remember, we have always elected our assembly delegates. They serve on our board. I'm currently serving um, again as an assembly delegate. They are three year terms. Uh -huh. um, so you cannot serve um, consecutive terms, but you can come back after, you know, some period of time. So I've had an opportunity to be a delegate a number of times. Um, so I'm just trying to trying to read it. Would our bylaws request if this were to pass, would we need to change our bylaws to make them one year terms or would the current three year terms in our bylaws still be sufficient because they would sort of line up with this proposal? 
your what your chapter does for for my understanding is for chapters that have the assembly delegate as a separate elected position is is pretty standard for for those chapters. So my my understanding is if if you specify a three year term, um, you wouldn't necessarily have to change the bylaws, but but in theory, you know that after that three years, you wouldn't be you wouldn't be eligible to to run the next year. Right. Yeah. You can't you term. can't succeed yourself in a three year. Right. Term. Right. Um, and the other change we did make to our bylaws about two or three years ago was that. Um, one of our our president-elect now serves as one of the delegates, and then we elect however many mm -hmm. other delegates we need based on our membership. So um, we felt that, you know, having um, the perspective of the incoming leader and giving them a chance to be a part of those national conversations was important. Um, our other delegates, it's, it's not a, a hard and fast rule, but we do like to try to bring past presidents back into that role where we can, um, just because they have that perspective um, from the chapter, uh, having served in chapter leadership and often it's a way to re-engage them and also kind of bring their institutional knowledge back onto our board in another capacity so um but thank you i was just trying to yeah. try to anticipate ahead any changes that that may need to be made yeah. in no i i don't i don't if, if that's the way your your chapter bylaws are written that'll be that shouldn't be a problem and i'll, I'll also kind of jump in here and i know mindy is going to cringe when i do this probably but uh Last, last year, we began on a process of, of creating um, updating model chapter bylaws. Uh, actually, we'll, we were gonna, we were going to do the chapters and then that we'll also do that with the district. And so so that'll be something that in the next year we'll definitely get on. Last year, we ended up having to make all those kind of miscellaneous bylaws updates and that kind of got us derailed from that. And then this year, of course, we've had COVID and 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 these issues that have come up but next year our top priority on governance is uh to to better define the relationship between prsa national and the sections districts and chapters so that so that everybody's clear and and that we can we can find ways to streamline the processes you know the the number one issue the number one issue that every chapter and district seem to have is is changing over the bank account every year and uh, you know, it's just little things like that that we think by taking these steps we'll be able to help help streamline that for you. But uh, but but that those will be coming probably mid year next year. And then in the meantime, if there are any emergency changes or, or anything that that we can assist with in consulting, then we're handling those on an ad hoc basis. So, so look for that next year too. I mean, that'll that'll help. You know, we'll we'll see how these bylaws proposals go, and uh, you know, the main the main thing is is just clearing up a lot of the a lot of the perennial issues that seem to come up between in the relationship between PRSA National and the chapters. Great. More questions. All right, JW, thank you so much for being here this afternoon. Uh, great conversation, great discussion. Uh, look forward to seeing how these things play out uh, in December. Absolutely, and, and please uh, feel, feel free to reach out if, if any other questions kind of come up. If you, uh, if you uh, end up t going back to your chapters and discussing them, you know, I know that myself or one of the governance committee members or the directors, the board directors would be happy to meet with you and, and 
discuss. And, uh, you know, obviously, you know, I'm pulling for you to support us on these, but, you know, I mean, we, we also know that there are a lot of opinions out there and uh, we trust everybody to make the best decision uh, that they feel at the time. And these, uh, I pulled these from the documents that are posted in the, the leadership community. Um, those are out there as part of the files in there if you want to, to parse those and look at some of the rationale and get a deeper, deeper look at those. Thank you, JD. Great. Cool. Well, I'm going to hop off here and uh, thanks, everybody. Thank you. I want to make mention of some programming coming up. You can see there uh, we're round, winding, down, winding down the year here. We've got awards coming up uh, and some uh, great programming coming up. Uh, Mindy, I wanted to give you a chance if there was anything you wanted to add for our chapter leaders uh, before we call it an afternoon. Uh, thanks, Brad. Uh, no, I have nothing to add. Just really do encourage your assembly delegates to attend the webinars and bring that information back so your boards can discuss uh, these amendments and decide how you want to vote to represent your members. It's really important and we appreciate everyone's attention and the time commitment that it takes to serve as an assembly delegate. Great, thank you, Mindy. Uh, now, if you missed a best practice call this year, we had lots of great stuff. Those are up on our website, prsasoutheast.org. Uh, and next month, uh, still working on a topic, uh, but we will gather again and uh, just about a month, December 9th, Wednesday, 2 p.m. Eastern, 1 p.m. Central. Um, questions or comments from anyone before we call it an afternoon? Have a wonderful Thanksgiving. Continue to stay safe and wear your mask. Have a great afternoon, everybody. Bye.